You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Windy City Gridiron Radio, the podcast of WindyCityGridiron.com, one of your premier source for Bears coverage. With you, as always, Robert Zaglinski. And in the next uh, podcast series that I've been doing here this summer, we come to the Detroit Lions. Uh, I'm pretty excited to bring in my next guest. Um, he's one of the, I probably say, the sassier people I follow on Twitter or found on Twitter. Uh, Mansur Shaheen, he writes for the Lions Wire. He does work for Birds Breakdowns. I'm always seeing him do excellent film work. Mansur, what's up? Let's let's jump into it right away. Uh, so while the Vikings and Packers decided to maintain their maintain their head coaches, the Vikings obviously have really no reason to fire Mike Zimmer. The Bears hired Matt Nagy. And the Lions brought in former defensive coordinator Matt Patricia uh, to take them to the next step to fix their defense because obviously Matthew Stafford's one of the uh, better quarterbacks in the league. Um, Master, what have you liked so far? I mean, without any ga- without any games, it's going to be really, really difficult. But what have you liked about his approach and, and his background? Other than the Super Bowl, there was no games where they, like, spectacularly lost the game for their team. So if he can help fix our defense, especially fix the mess that's our front seven, then that'll be great, especially with a new um, hand-picked defensive coordinator, Paul Pasqualani, around. Um, I do um, – I also think just in general, any coach would be a huge upgrade. Uh, the Lions coaching staff was, like, one of the worst in the NFL. <laughs> really yeah. People always talk about the Bears and the Titans having just garbage coaches, but we literally could not get enough players. Well, I mean, it's a, it depends on what you prefer. If you if you can't get enough players on the field, or do, do you just like running on running on first and second down literally every drive? It just depends on what you prefer in awful head coaching, right? That that's interesting to me because you mentioned how the the Patriots didn't have the great personnel. Everyone know, know that Patricia kind of reined them in as best as he could. Um, the Lions don't. I mean, they have some good. They have some great players: Darius Slay, um, Glover Quinn. But they don't have the best personnel overall either. I'm gauging that this is going to be kind of a project for him to change the defense around, right? <laughs> the front seven's good, 
can apparently the last three years no one's heard Sweden is back for the big game because they're halfway through their Baltic Trail thing I believe they were in the top ten or in the final five which is pretty good and we probably have better pass rushing personality than them so if we can build a system that works better than whatever we were doing last year then yeah I'm down for it <laughs> what he does in defense is so important to any team yeah, the offense will be there. So I'm ass- I'm assuming the concerns will be just you know how long it's going to take him to do this. I, I I don't I'm not I'm not sensing a lot of negativity here or a lot of like anything against his hire overall. Uh yeah. So overall, so like his on the field work, like there's no uh, obvious downsides to it. But uh, I hope he's like because personnel wise, he's still the elephant in the room or rather the the crown jewel matthew stafford he's been one of the nfl's best quarterbacks in the, uh, for a few years now um but obviously the lions haven't been able to offer him the same support he's given them really literally carrying them in almost a similar fashion to aaron rodgers uh but he has and he hasn't gotten the same respect uh that other elite quarterbacks uh deserve where does where does Detroit have to change to finally lift him? I mean, I, I, know, I know Lions fans. I know a lot of the pride of Detroit guys are very fond of quarterback wins, so I'm just curious to get your take here. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I imagine you saw, like, the Twitter storm the other day. Like, they're yeah. Like, I have no idea. But um, obviously, pointing at the run game, the offensive line is probably the easy, but I feel like coaching matters more than anything. Um, I think Bob Sugar could return him as a like offensive coordinator and play caller, but like uh, play calling is also pretty bad. Um, the Lions are really known as a fourth quarter team. We've really developed that reputation the past few years, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're just way too conservative the first three quarters. Like the first three quarters of the game, first and second down, we're running up the middle for negative one yards. Mm. And, like third and twelve, you're not going to convert that, and like that happens so often. And then the fourth quarter, we kind of open up the playbook. We let Stafford do his thing, and he goes crazy and like in 2016 have like nine comeback wins or eight comeback wins that's not like by design that's more our play calling sucks and we realize oh we're gonna lose this game let's just let Stafford into it so play calling we need to let Stafford do his thing be more aggressive stop being conservative we don't have the run game to be conservative I don't know why we want to be conservative does does it matter that he doesn't get the respect he deserves or is that just gonna come along Yeah, I know. I know. I'm just asking. I'm just asking you. I mean, I'm not like I'm not going to egg on any stupid Twitter beef right now. As long as the Lions, I mean, we gave them that huge extension last year, so that means that they realized his importance to the franchise. He's easily a top three player in Lions history. He'll probably retire as like the greatest player in Lions history, maybe one of the greatest passers in NFL history. What people say on Twitter doesn't matter, and people on Twitter don't know what they're talking about. So. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a general thing with with most topics. I'm just yeah. It doesn't matter what Twitter says. As long as the Lions continue extending him and put him in a position to succeed, which they've kind of failed at so far, but as long as they keep trying to do that, it just matters what the Lions think of him. Really. Yeah, if it's if it's a year or two from now and they're still going 8-8 eight and 9-7 eight and, and, and he's throwing 4,500 yards, then it's like, well, whatever, shit. Like, well, we can't even get out the launch point. I, I get it, I get it. Yeah, I think the only way he'll ever get that respect is if, honestly, he gets to the Super Bowl. And uh, 
who knows <laughs> but that's not but that's that's the kind of thing where there's so, like there are so many fan bases i mean and again twitter doesn't know what it's talking about generally where a guy a great player can win a championship or he can like win an mvp whatever and there will still be like oh he didn't do it quick enough or oh he didn't win the championship as good as we we originally believed there's always like some kind of stupid fallacy like pushing away at that i i i feel like there there will always be some kind of stupid contrarian critic taking away from stafford and that really extends to any elite player you know what i mean yeah when um matt ryan signed that extension like a month ago people on twitter were like oh he's trash he won the mvp in 2016 yeah were like, oh, he's worse than joe flacco no <laughs> joe flacco. he really isn't worse than joe flacco flacco's possibly the worst quarterback in the nfl <laughs> <laughs> Matt Ryan's not worse than him. He won the MVP for a reason. Twitter, Twitter's, Twitter's not a fan, and, and a lot of, and a lot of analysts that aren't even on Twitter aren't fans of paying good players the money they deserve, which is always the craziest thing to me. Which yeah, extends to this respect thing. In general, it's very like anti-player, pro-team. A lot of it is also like majority of people. So like I'm a nerd. I watch as many games as possible, but majority of people watch their home team like nine times a year, and that's it. So. Like, if you live in Seattle and watch the Seahawks, you're not really too aware of what's happening with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then you see that they lose games. So you're like, oh, this random player plays with Buccaneers sucks because he plays for a bad team. Like, Levant, I'm pretty sure people who've never heard of Levante David and wouldn't consider him an elite linebacker because he plays for a pretty garbage defense. But they just have never watched him play. So that's a lot of the, just Twitter disrespect. Yeah, you, you, you watch the Patriots 10 times a year, and then you, you don't notice Matthew Stafford lighting everything. Yeah. That, that's essentially what it is. <laughs> Moving on, let's talk about the pass rush, Mancer. Um, How big of an Achilles heel is this for the defense? I would imagine this is where your biggest concerns are. I mean, Ezekiel Anza, like you kind of said earlier, he just disappears for literally months at a time, and then he'll have like a four or five sack game. Like I think he did last year against the Giants, right? He had three three sack games last year. Yeah, so he'll he'll just he'll have a big game every, every once a month essentially. Pretty How big of an Achilles heel is this? <laughs> um, it's if we fail this season and go like six and ten, it's gonna be because of it's gonna be because of this. Um, we and like I don't unless Patricia saves us, I don't see it being fixed. That's why I think Patricia could be such a great hire because Ansa's inconsistent. We gave him the franchise tag, but. I don't see him really stepping up. Like, there's there's really nothing that tells us he's going to be back to his like rookie year form. And our other pass rushers are like the Devon Kennard from the Giants, who's like he's okay, but he was like the third best pass rusher on a team that won two games last year. So I'm not too excited about him. Um, Anthony Zettel is terrible. Kerry Hyder had a good 2016, but he um. Well, Zettel he, is terrible. He's not a he's not a great hard work guy. Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of hard work put in there, failing to set the edge, and uh, he he gets into the backfield and then misses the quarterback. It makes no sense. Like just tackle the quarterback. It's right, right. Um, and then who else? Oh, and Kerry Hyder had an incredible 2016. Came out of nowhere, and then blew his Achilles like the first drive of preseason last year. And I mean, I want to see him bounce back and to be amazing, especially just for him, just to see his career. If his career just gets erased by a freak injury like that, that'd be terrible. But Achilles injuries usually hurt explosiveness, which is like the most important thing when you're coming off the edge. Right. And other than that, I mean, Jared Davis can't pass rush. Um, and we drafted Deshaun Hand, who is actually 
from over here in Virginia. So it was pretty cool. Like back when I was in high school, that like number one recruit in the country was from uh, like my town. And then he went to Alabama, made no impact on college football, drafted the fourth round. And I don't think he's ever going to do anything. Like I'm just so low on him. If anything, it can take three years for him to contribute at all. So we really have no pass rushers that I'm high on. Hyder, if he recovers well, is the only one that I'm really excited for. And that's a huge if. I just got really depressed. That was the most cynical teardown <laughs> of a positional group I've, I've heard in a while, man. Like <laughs> they're all they're all bad. They're all bad. Um, how do you think Patricia and the Lions can compensate for this? I mean, they, they, they know they're probably bad, right? So how can they compensate? I mean, what should, what do you, what do you think? What, what do you think they're, what do you think they'll do is what I'm saying? Like, like a I blitz, mean, like blitz packages. I mean, I mean, are you, there has to be something crazy going on in the drawing board. Cause like it casts and it, it has to be better than last year. Last year we had a few games where that as a team, they'd register one or two pressures. I think uh, one or two pressures total. I, uh, the game against the Vikings on Thanksgiving, we as a team registered one pressure and it was oh, Tease Tabor, our cornerback, who's in active majority season. He like, um, I think it was like a delayed blitz on, I almost said Kirk Cousins, on uh, Case Keenum and Keenum just like dodged him. But that was the only pressure we had the whole game. And it like, it's disgusting. So it, it can't get worse, but it has to get. It has to get better. At all be useful. What are other concerns in the roster that I didn't detail to you in this little rundown? What 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 else kind of um, maybe makes you t- tug your collar a little bit? Um, I guess like staying linebackers are also bad. Like Jared Davis wasn't a very good rookie pick, and I don't think he wasn't a really good first round pick in his rookie year. And in general, I'm not really for drafting like off ball linebackers in the first round when they can't especially with like you know the modern nfl run running the ball is kind of not important anymore you should you right. have to be able to cover the pass now i think the browns had like a top five rush defense and they didn't win a game so that's that um i think sorry canard can't really drop back into coverage we signed christian jones from the bears and i think he's an okay weak side linebacker yeah but, christian like he's he's not a guy that's I, I wouldn't count on him being a full-time starter. Like he's, he's, he's good. I mean, he's good. Like in small sample sizes, I, I wouldn't say he's much of a difference maker though. Yeah. I imagine him and Jalen Reeves, Reeves Mabin, who was like a fourth round pick, I believe last year, they're probably going to share a lot of time at weak side. I imagine um, Mabin will take over and start eventually, but like both of them aren't like, trash but they're not enough which is better than we had last year paul roller was terrible so the fact that they're not trash is like good but i don't think they're really enough to do anything so our linebackers for like the third straight year are going to be bad but other than that i feel like we're we're okay we're we're serviceable serviceable that's yeah we're serviceable we're, <laughs> there's no other like obvious holes in the roster that like are gonna cost us our season other than those two which are big ones which which are big ones but yeah yeah um <laughs> yeah Follow Manser on Twitter at Manser Shaheen. We're talking. We're previewing. We're talking the rather <laughs> tongue twister. Sorry. We are discussing the Lions' offseason and their roster issues um, going into their matchups with the Bears in 2018. This is Windy City Gridiron Radio. Follow me on Twitter at Robert Zaglinski. Uh, Manser, uh, I don't. I know for as sassy as we'll get on Twitter, you can't really argue that the North looks on paper, the MC North that is, looks more competitive than ever. Um, I, 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 again, I know keeping the sassiness out of it, 
how do the Lions stay afloat in what should probably be a true true six battles a year against the Vikings Packers? I mean, you, the Vikings are stacked. The, the the Packers have Aaron Rodgers, so they'll always be fine as long as he's healthy. And then the Bears and Matt Nagy seem to be on the right track away from their terrible head coaching. I mean, you kind of mentioned they, they actually have a vision. So how do the Lions stay afloat here? It's it's going to be rough. So I feel like with the roster we have, if we were in the AFC, we would be a playoff team easily. We would waltz in the playoffs. We probably are going to finish third in the division and not make the playoffs. That's how just brutal the NFC and the NFC North is. The Vikings are, I mean, they're a super team. The only real weakness on their roster is like, I think their guard situation might not be the best, but like if your guard situation being slightly below average is like your biggest concern, you're, you're good. You should win the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's not one of the premium positions, right? Yeah, I mean it, it's it's rising in importance, but yeah, like if it's it's not even that big of a problem. Like our pass rushing is a hundred times worse, more more worse of a problem than their guard situation at the moment. The Packers are on paper like they might be worse than the Bears even, but Aaron Rodgers also like hates us. So I mean, he does I, that to everybody, man. We're yeah. just the same boat. So I, I'm. I, I'm used to it by now. Totally. You you can you can you can you can lean on me. You can lean on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like on paper, the Lions should be strong favorites in both of those games, but I don't think we're gonna win either. If like we might win one, but I'm not gonna bet on it. So that could be four losses right there. I think the Bears we should have though. We uh, I but two and four in the division is terrible. If we go three and three, that's still pretty bad. Um. Yeah. So the NFC North is gonna be brutal. Um. We, the Lions are going to be in for it this year. And if we can't win games out of the toughest division, it's going to cost us a playoff spot eventually. Do you think, wait, do you think the North is the toughest division? I still think it's the South. I mean, the Buc- the Buccaneers are terrible. So right, I, I feel like but- the North, the Bears, like the Bears will give trouble to, like they're not going to beat good teams. I mean, they might beat good teams, but they're not going to, you can't count them to beat good teams, but they'll at least give trouble to everyone. The Buccaneers are like, I feel like they should be a free two wins. The Buccaneers, are, yeah, may, maybe you're right. The Buccaneers are probably the worst team in the league. That, yeah, them and like out. the Raiders. I mean, they're probably. In wow, dude, you're just shitting on every, like I didn't even. We're not even talking about. The <laughs> Why'd you have to bring them in? Jeez. Cross cross, cross conference to pull cross in John out. Gruden. Literally not related at all. Like, <laughs> I just think the Raiders are going to be bad too, man. Fuck them, you know. The, their fans are in for it too. I feel like they have all these names. And they're on Twitter like, yeah, guys, we got Jordy Nelson. We're we're gonna be so good this year. Okay, but yeah. Raiders fans are like the underrated. Like they're like they're like England in the World Cup. They think they think they're Super Bowl contenders every yeah. year. No matter what. It's, it's coming home to it's, it's 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 coming home to the black hole. It's coming home. <laughs> um, <laughs> moving on. <clears throat> what I, I think, and I think you'll agree with this: the strongest position. The Lions have uh, is receivers, so Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay. Um, what's the next step for them? I think Kenny Galladay is the really only, really the only one that can take a huge step forward in the next in the next year. Uh, what do you want to see out of out of this group here? Um, so I imagine Galladay will probably like start and play a lot. Maybe not start, but he'll at least um he'll be on the field on all of our looks and eleven personnel. Like he'll always be in there as a wide receiver when Tate moves into the slot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they are definitely one of the strongest receiving cores in the league, probably top five, definitely in the top 10. 
Um, I, Tate and Jones are pretty known products. As you said, Galladay, I, he, he has a lot of, um, he can really grow. He uh, last year was really good deep threat, but he also like disappeared at times and drops were an issue. Also, he had trouble getting open deep because he's not really a very good route runner, but he also can't really run. So he can't really run short routes. So uh, teams kind of picked up that if left him like a 15 yard cushion, then that he wouldn't be able to outrun them. And his only real um, advantage there is size. He'd be able to reach over people to grab balls, but if he wasn't able to do that, he was pretty much useless. Injuries also kind of, I guess, slowed him down, hurt his agility. But if he becomes a better route runner, improves his footwork, and just becomes a more, I guess, if he can, I guess, run the full route tree, he'll be a lot better next year. That was probably his biggest concern. Tate and Jones, I mean, they're both really good. The issue is Tate has a contract situation coming up, and this might be his last year on the Lions, which will be terrible because he's our probably our best weapon on offense post-Megatron. But they should carry the offense this year with Stafford. On, on a completely serious note, how are the Lions taking care of of, of my boy Galladay? He's a Chicago, he's a Chicago NIU guy, dude. Like, how are they are they making sure? He, <laughs> are they taking care of him? Is, is 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 he is he getting everything he needs? Are, yes, we, uh, uh, we we affectionately called him Baby Tron even after week one. Wait, 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 wait! No, you tore no, the you, fan base apart. No, you didn't. Who who called him Baby Tron? Come on. He had a really nice catch against Arizona, and it was Calvin Johnson esque because we called him okay, Baby Tron. Calvin Johnson did that like five, four or five times a game, though. Exactly. So it's like he's a baby, though. So one day he'll grow into the big Decepticon. I like the name. I don't know why people think it's so stupid. I I love it. I'm gonna call him Baby Tron forever. He's gonna be 35, and I'm gonna call him Baby Tron. Okay, we're unless we're he, unless he sucks, in which he loses that name. We're we're moving on. We're moving on. That's so disappointing. <laughs> It's a good name. It's affectionate. I mean, it's fine, but it's not it's not original or anything. And I'm 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 one of those dumb assholes that's like a stickler for originality. Whatever, <laughs> whatever. Um, moving over to free agency, we kind of already touched on Christian Jones. The other big signings for the Lions were Legarrette Blunt, who, at this point, um, if everything shakes out, he'll we'll win, win a super. Bowl. He'll win a Super Bowl in Detroit because that's just what happens. He just he signs every ever since he left the Steelers four years ago. He just plays in the Super Bowl, wins a ring every year. Um, I, I, No offense, but I doubt that happens in 2018 anyway. Um, and then Deshaun Sheed, or she, Shed, or I don't, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm a bad writer. I don't even know it how to. It might be Shed, but I'm yeah, not sure. Deshaun Shed, going to start opposite Darius Slay. Um, what are you anticipating out of these two? Um, so Blunt will hopefully help a lot on those on short yardage plays. Last year, the Lions were terrible on third and one, third and two, we just couldn't convert them because we had absolutely like, I mean, we basically had no power runners. Our best one was Zach Center, and he's, I mean, not good. Um, also, like in the red zone, just the utility there, being able to pound it on like at the goal line will be so much better than having Stafford roll out and throw it a, a tight end who's going to drop it anyways. Um, for Shed, he might not start next year. He might not get as much playing time as you might think. Tease Tabor has apparently been absolutely going off in OTAs. Oh. So if Tabor develops and takes his starting spot, I feel like that's a win. If we have sh- if sheds are like corner three, that's a huge upgrade over like DJ Hayden, who um, was our like third corner last year, or Lawson. So I'm not sure if the shed signing will work out as we anticipate, but if Tabor takes his job, then I'm fine with it because it's an improvement. So I'm I'm assuming that Tabor's struggles the struggles last year were overstated. 
maybe not overstated. He literally was not on the field. He was or probably understated. Active. Sorry, understated. Understated. Oh, um, I mean, he wasn't on the field much last year. He wasn't very good when he was on the field. He showed some flashes, but overall, like, he um. I'm sorry. Yeah. Overall, he uh he could get a lot better, but if he apparently finally like getting up to it and learning the NFL game, then yeah, that's I'm fine with putting Shed on the bench if that's our third guy. Nice little upgrade. I mean, that's uh, this seems to me like another thing where you really can't get worse than lines at opposite slay. So I mean, you're you're gonna take shots on the young guys. You're gonna you're gonna hope they develop, or you're gonna hope like the free agent. That's kind of what it seems like. Yeah, uh, loss. Lawson couldn't really get out of his own way. He's still around, and he probably we resigned him to I think like a three million dollar deal. So he'll he'll contribute a bit, but he really couldn't get out of his own way last year. And DJ Hayden just didn't work out. He was terrible. So if Tabor and Shed can really like improve, then that'll help our secondary, which is already like the strongest part of our defense immensely. To the draft and the Lions made I think. I mean, relatively, it's a little it was a little bit of a surprise pick, but people loved Frank Ragnall by the time the uh, by the time the draft rolled around in the first round. Then you have Carryon uh, uh, Johnson in the second round, running back. And then Tracy Walker to safety, Deshaun Hand in the fourth round, defensive end, uh, Tyrell Crosby in the fifth round, which I think is a steal. I loved him. I, I can't believe he fell that far. Um, and then in the seventh round, Nick Bodden. What are we taking away from this Lions draft class, Mancer? So the team obviously is really trying to fix the run game. Um, obviously, Ragnow and Johnson going one and two. Ragnow apparently didn't allow a single sack at uh, Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, Arkansas. Arkansas. So if he can bring that to Detroit, then that would be amazing. Um, the interior offensive line was kind of bad last year. TJ Lang had struggles with health. Um, Swanson had struggles with health. And Glasgow, he moved from position to position. But when he moved to center, we'd have an issue at guard. If he moved to guard, we'd have an issue at center. So him and Ragnow will start at guard and center i think they're switching ragnar back back and forth to really decide which one he fits into better at this level but i really like the ragnar pick he wasn't really on my radar at first but yeah, i love that pick carry johnson um i mean another great pick he should fix the run he should help really fix the run game he kind of takes away amir abdullah's and theoretics jobs but he really can do everything he should be on the field all three downs Durability is an issue, but I feel like we have Blunt and Abdullah and Riddick, so we could probably like limit his carries a lot if we're really concerned about keeping him long-term. We could probably limit his carries a lot in the first couple of years. After that, it starts getting interesting. Tracy Walker, he's like a small school guy. Um, I mean, I don't hate the pick, but it wasn't... I feel like we should have addressed the pass rush at that point. Right. He's not... It's not really a position of need. We already have a lot of strong safeties. We have Quandary Diggs, Miles Killebrew. Um, we re-signed Tavon Wilson anyways. It was an interesting pick. And he's a very um, he's a very hit-or-miss player. Like I feel like he's either going to be a star or he's going to not be in the league in like five years. Deshaun Hand, I don't like. He, I feel like I already talked about him. He's not very good. <laughs> yeah, he did, yeah he did. you did rip him a little bit. But if you want to go a little more, that's fine. Yeah. Um. So he, he was number one prospect in the country coming out of high school. I mentioned it. And usually when players are like number one prospects like that, it's because they have like the full physical build of to be an elite at whatever they are, especially at defensive end. So he has the full, he has all the like physical tools to become an elite defensive end, but he made no impact playing for Alabama. He was like non-existent for them. And 
I feel like it's a reach to take a player who hasn't shown anything in the fourth round. I understand that he like his RAS score is probably really high and he probably fits like the mold of the perfect defensive end with his body type and mix of speed and everything, but he he just doesn't do anything on the field. I don't know why we pick him in the fourth round. And that was the only pass rusher we drafted. And pass yeah. rush is easily our weakest position. So it's a I mean that's a weird pick. Crosby, he flip he he slipped all the way to the fifth round. That was a steal if he's as good as draft Twitter says he is. And then who is after that? Nick Bodden, seventh rounder. I mean, oh, uh, he actually tore his ACL, so he's. Oh, probably, okay, that's yeah, he's, non-factor. Yeah, and also he, um, I mean, we have Nick Ballor as linebacker. We just moved him over to fullback as well, so I think he was probably not making the roster anyways. It really sucks he tore his ACL because you know rookie coming to league, probably his career's over. I hope the Lions find you know give him injury settlement and don't right ruin the relationship like they do. Pro with player, literally. we are pro player. We are pro player. Yeah. Um, two developments off of that. True or false? Do you, because I've seen this thrown around a lot, and I don't think I necessarily disagree. Do the Lions have the best offensive line in the NFC North? To in your mind? In the NFC North, huh? So with the addition of Frank Ragnow. Yeah. Who's the Bears' offensive line? Uh, Sorry, Cody Whitehair, James Daniels, Kyle Long. Charles Leno and then Bobby Massey. So I feel like on paper we probably do. The problem is like we were on paper probably the best offensive line last year too. And but there were just injuries, right? I think that's what yeah, it was. that and also I mean we uh, changed our offensive line coach because even when they were all healthy, it didn't look like they knew what they were doing. So right on paper, I guess like Lang Wagner, you could argue before they came to Detroit, were both elite at their position, and last year got stuck with just terrible coaching. Um, Glasgow is really developing. If Ragnar works out, then he'll be great. And Decker was injured last year, so if he bounces back, then probably we have the best NFC North offensive line. The what Vikings. Are, what are ringing endorsements? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> some of the mention me on Twitter, like, "Oh, the Vikings actually have this guy." It's like, I don't think the Vikings. No, I don't think. I think there. the Vikings would probably like. I mean, I know their roster stacked. I would probably say they have the fourth worst wage projection. I'm not sure. I because th- I think the Packers have the best tackles. I think the Lions have the best overall, and I think the Bears have the best interior. So it just depends on which. So yeah, probably the Lions, but who knows? Because they didn't show it at all last year when that was supposed <laughs> to be the case. Reading endorsements. Um, I, 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 it's interesting that you meet that you mention uh, Johnson taking Amir Abdullah and Theoretics jobs. I think what I'm not sure how to articulate this. Are the Lions going to be using kind of the Patriot system with running backs where literally three or four guys are getting, touching the ball like 10 times a game in some kind of fashion? I mean, the, the Patriots have been famous for that with, you know, with James White recently and, and, and Blunt obviously is, is an extension of that with Patricia. Is that something they're going to do offensively? Three or four, literally three or four running backs are implemented? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Because um, like Johnson. I know durability was a huge concern for him for a lot of people. So it would be smart to do that. And the fact that we still have Abdullah on the roster, we still have Riddick on the roster and Blunt will probably take all those like short yardage situations. There's no reason not to. Um, Johnson could be a bell cow, but there's no reason to beat him up for no reason. Theoretic can take all the third downs, honestly. And then Abdullah's role is probably going to be really marginalized. I think he's probably going to take over as our kick returner and mm-hmm. so, um, play a lot on special teams, but 
he'll probably get a, like a few carries a game and maybe like 10, 15 to carry on Johnson, which also like just, I guess, springboarding off that. I don't care about the hundred yard thing. As long as we get like, if Karen Johnson doesn't get, doesn't get a hundred yards in a game this year, I don't care. As long as he gets like 4.5 yards per carry, I'm fine with it. Yeah, you'd rather have offensive balance. I mean, that's just like a stupid bar. You don't have to reach the bar. It's yeah, more just like keeping keeping Stafford. You know, not having, not not putting four or five defensive backs every time. Like, yeah, yeah if we can, and beyond that, if we can turn. I mean, it, I'm saying it's like it's simpler than that. Like if we can turn second and twelve to second and six instead, that's a win compared to last year. And it opens up the playbook for Stafford, and maybe we won't be have we won't have to be as conservative to even stay ahead of the chains. So if Johnson only gets like eleven carries a game, but those eleven carries turn into sixty yards, I'm fine with it. I don't care about hundred yards. Finally, to the actual Bears and Lions matchup, uh, the Lions have won nine of the last ten games against the Bears last time the Bears won a game was 2016. I think Jay Cutler was still starting. Um, but obviously, as we mentioned earlier, there's a, both teams are shifting coaching-wise. Um, the Bears are going to put up a little bit of a mantra to try to, to try to compete more in the division. The Lions are trying to take that next step. Um, I'm going to keep this simple. What is one area that the Bears should be worried about that maybe isn't an obvious thing like, oh, Stafford is really good. He's going to tear the, the secondary up. What's what's one area that, that, that the Bears can be exploited by with by the Lions? Actually, I don't think anything that isn't like obvious because obviously our strength on offense is Stafford will cut you up. Our strength on defense is we can stop your passing game, but you'll be able to run over us in the run game, which the Bears can do with Howard anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a I think the matchup, the Bears became a much better team this offseason, but I think the matchup is still about the same. If the Bears beat us, it's going to be by creating a dumb turnover um, and just running the Lions over all day. I don't think there's any like changes really to that matchup. Hmm. Um, what what kind of what would concern you if you're the Lions about about these kind of like newish look Bears? What would concern you? It's it's interesting to me that you say that the matchup hasn't changed, but I think I would kind of agree. So, yeah, from the other perspective, what concerns you? What, what if 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 anything has dramatically changed from that perspective? What, what concerns you? I think Shaheen and Burton. Shaheen has a cool name, by the way. But I think oh him and yeah, Burton, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder why you would think that. <laughs> no, I think they can really like tear us up. Um, obviously, Howard is an incredible running back. Our running game, our run defense sucks, so he's gonna destroy us anyways but we're really bad in short coverage situations and last year with who was your tight end to it was shaheen i think shaheen had a decent the the one game he actually played against the lions he flashed a little bit but yeah in a christmas time ish right no no no, thanks like thanksgiving it was like thanksgiving the second the the second game the bears offense just went completely out of hand it was was the first one where the lions visited the bears where it was kind of like where they didn't, where both teams didn't score, didn't do anything offensively for like two quarters. Yeah, like I feel like that's if the, I guess uh, going off topic, but if the Bears are going to beat the Lions this year, it's going to have to be. I feel like on one of those games, but I feel like Shaheen and Burton can really tear our defense up. We um we aren't good at covering tight ends. We haven't been for like two or three years now. Um, Cohen obviously he provides a lot in the passing game. Our coverage linebackers aren't 
still aren't like much to be um to write home about. Yeah, they're not much to write home about. Christian Jones is okay. Maven's okay. Jared Davis can't cover. I I hope we aren't putting T's table at linebacker next season to cover Davis <laughs> because that would be a mess. So the Bears can like kill us with a thousand cuts using Shaheen and Cohen and Burton and Howard. But I don't think like I don't see any real big play potential there, which is why I'm saying the matchup hasn't really changed because that's what it was last year too. I feel like you guys were able to beat us with like the smaller plays. Oh, just, with Cohen, there'll yeah. be big plays. Come on. And that's not even my bias talking. Cohen will create big plays. Come on now. But it's like the occasional big play. It's not like the like Falcons where like they can torch you five times a game for 20 yards. Like the Bears don't have much in them, I feel like, on offense. I also don't like Trubisky, so I guess it might be that. I don't see Trubisky doing much. It's going to be on the backs of the tight ends and running backs to carry it. I'm going to fight you. Trubisky's no. bad. <laughs> Stafford has no playoff wins. We see we we held we held together for forty minutes. We held, there you go. <laughs> we held together for forty minutes. Um, let's finish up. Let's finish up with World Cup talk. Um, so going to the knockout phase now, Manser. I I I was going to make it keep it simple, but I'd rather just go through each game. I mean, there's there's only eight games now, um, and then we'll pick the not we'll pick the round of sixteen, and then give me your final and champion. I guess, again, like whatever best player. So, Uruguay and Portugal. Um, I'm not a soccer expert, by the way, but um, I mean, I'm not really. Yeah. Dude, I, only, I only watch every two years. I don't oh, watch, really. I don't watch domestic. I only oh, watch I, the European World Cup. I, I really only watch that. Oh, I watch the I watch the Premier League and Champions League every year. So I'm I guess I'm little more than you, but yeah, like I'm just say Portugal because. I think Ronaldo is not going to let his team go down, and they're they won Euros, so they're probably good. But I have no idea. <laughs> France and Argentina. France, I want Argentina to crash out of this tournament. I mean, they're bad. They, they'll probably yeah. lose anyway. They're not. I don't like. Messy. I don't like Paul Pogba either, though. So this is like I'm I playing with like house money now. In general, I mean, I don't like either team here. But I guess yeah. it's the best of both Eagles or the best of we're the best of both sides. I don't like know how. Yeah. Uh Brazil and Mexico. Uh, I think everyone I wants Mexico, but yeah. you know. Brazil. I like Firmino too. He plays for Liverpool. And Coutinho used to play for Liverpool. So that's I have I think I have their flag in my Twitter name even. So Yeah, yeah, you do. Have, you do you have Croatia, I think, is one something else that Brazil, was. Croatia, and England. Belgium and Japan. That's uh, Belgium should wipe them. Yeah. Japan freaking losing to Poland. That's embarrassing. Leave Senegal. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't. I'm surprised. Yeah, the yellow cards. That's funny. Yeah, that was that's such a weird rule. Okay, like, but I what mean, else? But that, that's the, here's the thing. Where, what also they're going to decide? Would you'd be just as mad if if they did, if Senegal got eliminated by a coin toss? At least there's some kind of tangible measurement here. You know. I, I mean, mean, I would, and I also if like Japan had gotten eliminated on yellow cards, and I would not care. Right. But also, like, yellow card. Like it's such a weird metric because it's not something that's standardized. Like every ref. Like, I, if you get a strict ref, you're screwed. And it's only over the course of three games, so it's not enough to, like, decide anything. It's a weird system. I don't work for FIFA. It's not my job to figure it out. I just can complain about it. It's not, it's not as if FIFA has it figured out either. Yeah, they they're, they're, an, they're, they're a perfect organization. What are, <laughs> what are we saying here? Uh, Spain and Russia. Spain should wipe them, like, out totally. They should absolutely wipe them, but it would be hilarious if they didn't. Croatia and Denmark. 
Croatia. Even like I mean, I'm biased, but Denmark's not good. Dude, I think Croatia might get to the final, but that's we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, Sweden and Switzerland. This is the worst round of sixteen game possible, but uh, I think that's a good game. Come on, Shakiri, Shakiri, and everybody. Shakiri might come to Liverpool too. That's gonna be fun. But um, I say Switzerland. I mean, they have players that I know, so they have I'm players go- that I know. So I'm gonna pick that. Yeah, that, yeah, that's basically. That's generally how it works. Um, Colombia and England. Is it is yeah. it coming home? It's coming home, England. Coming home, lads. It's coming it's home. Coming, coming home, lads. I had some guy slide in my DMs. He's followed me for a while for football stuff, and he's like, "Wait a minute, are you actually British?" And I'm like, "No, I'm, I'm American." No, I'm actually, I'm actually the number one fan account for for Senegal. I'm a big. <laughs> Please come to me for everybody. That God. was hilarious. God, that was. It felt it felt awkward after a while. I should explain that. I had people signing my DMs, sending me. They thought I was like associate with Sadio Mane because my Twitter name is Sadio really? Mane. Oh my they were God. sending me like words of encouragement. A lot of it was just new accounts. Like, <laughs> I get a follow and I look at the account and it was like brand new, only followed like 10 people. And like they were all Senegalese and French or like they were all Senegalese accounts or accounts that just tweeted in French. And then they would like follow me for some reason. Because I think if you looked up Sadio Mane, for some reason, Twitter's algorithm, I was the first thing that popped up. And they wow. would like DM me like, hey, man, good luck tonight. Or like you're my one kid DM'd me like, hey, like you're you're my role model. Please make Africa proud. And I was like, I'm not responding to this. This is so awkward. How long did this go on? Three or four days. I mean, when was their first game against Poland? Like June nineteenth. Yeah. So that until the Japan game. Well, not Japan game. The second, the second game. Yeah. Japan? So like June twenty fourth. Yeah. So yeah, maybe five or six days. But you uh, let that go on for almost a week. You hard. no no. So so when I first changed the name, they played that first game. I got like two messages. Right. But then he scored against Japan, and that's when they started really rolling in. And then I was like, <laughs> okay, like, now I got it. Because it was one or two at first. Like, this kid's dumb, like whatever. But like once I had like 10, 15 people in my DMs wishing me luck and telling me they're proud of me for scoring, I was like, all right, <laughs> this oh, is done. Man. Twitter is the worst place in the world. I mean, it was cute, but also too personal for me, honestly. Yeah. Uh, who gets the final? Who wins? Um, England, Brazil. England win on like Jordan Henderson free kick, one zero. Are you? St- <laughs> it's Dude, coming home. Was- it's coming. Okay, yeah. I guess stick to the brand. I think. <laughs> I think Belgium over Croatia, man. Kevin De Bruyne, the, the ginger power. Let's go. Yeah, no. And if Brazil wins my theoretical final, it's enough for me. No goal. Stick to the brand. Always. It's enough. It's enough for you. What? It's not, it's going to be on a Firmino goal. Firmino, the uh, Liverpool striker. <laughs> Oh, always, always this is all biased for you. <laughs> I know nothing about soccer outside of the Premier League and Champions League. Dude, I, know, I, I know like the good players, but like only when I get to watch them every two years. Like, I, so like every two years I have to be reintroduced like 30%. Like, oh, hey, this, this team has some like cool guys that reemerged and shit. Like, yeah. I'm the same. I mean, well, that's what happens when you only watch international soccer. So. Yeah, Levin, Lewandowski was one of my favorites back in the day when he played for Dortmund. So that was always fun. But uh, I actually wanted them to get through, but unfortunately, Senegal and Poland both crashed out. I mean, Poland's. Let's not talk about Poland, yeah. man. Like, they, 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 there's, there's three certainties in life, Mansur. Here, it's death, taxes, and Poland dominating their qualifying stages and then bowing down at the group stage. Like that's literally every time they <laughs> qualified for the World Cup in like the last thirty years. Like they had a golden era in the seventies where they had the most talented team. For like twelve years and had two third place finishes, won like two gold medals, and then ever since then, it's, that that's literally been their formula. They 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 build the foundation back up, 
they dominate qualifying and then they just absolutely crap out in like the most humiliating way. It's ugh, so, it's so infuriating. Like I don't get like I don't get mad about the Bears. I I get mad about Poland though. I like I get heated. Like ugh. they're like the Falcons then, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> I think- well, no, but the Falcons. Uh, no, no. Wait, explain. How are they like the Falcons? Falcons. I mean, they always build themselves up to be something huge, and then fail twenty eight three. Even I think the year before they lost Super Bowl twenty eight three, they started like six and zero, and then missed the playoffs or something crazy like that. Just in general, their history, they've always been like a team like, oh yeah, the Falcons. This is their year, and then they never. It never Poland comes. Poland has never. Well, Poland has never made it to the final, and then no one had any expectations that they would oh. run this. They the, the the like I said, the closest they got was third place finishes. The closest they ever got was um and again, I, I'm sorry, this is just this is just my emotions pouring out. Just just bear with me. The, the closest they ever got was nineteen seventy four. That was their most stacked team. They like they had like a goal differential of like twelve to one in the during the group stage where they beat both Brazil and Italy. Then I think oh, wow. they then they smacked uh and they they smacked um it was some like crap, like Eastern European, another crappier Eastern European team that wasn't on their level. They got to the semis against Germany, and that entire day, it had rained. Um, the poles were going to play, but they wanted it postponed because the, like the, the 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 field literally had just huge puddles and like rivers, like like it was just unplayable to play. It was on, un- but yeah. the World Cup schedule obviously was tight, so they played anyway. Um, for so a team that had led the World Cup in scoring, that had the the, the Golden Boot winner, um, they had at least three or four balls that stopped in the penalty box that were going into the net or stopped on the goal line and just and didn't, just didn't go in because because of, of the mud and they lost one to zero. That's terrible. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> that's that, that, actually that might be a Falcons moment. That actually might yeah, be. A yeah, <laughs> they get all the way into field goal range and take a holding call and lose the Super Bowl. That's Falcons. Or or a sack fumble. Or a sack fumble. Yeah. I wonder who Germany's Dante Hightower was. <laughs> Germany's even the Patriots. It's so perfect. It's so perfect. Uh, the missing the playoffs this year. That means. Oh, please, thank you, thank you. That'd be amazing. Like if it just fell flat. Twitter would. I would actually enjoy Twitter for once. Um, <laughs> that should just about wrap this up, uh, Manser. I really appreciate you coming on, man. Um, I I'm proud of us for keeping it civil, except for like a 30 second moment. I'm really proud of us. <laughs> um, good stuff. I I imagine we you'll want to do this again during the season. I think well, once we have a little bit more information, um, just outside of our speculation and our. Uh, Twitter analysis. It'll be it'll be it'll be a little better. Yeah, it'll be fun to talk about actual football and not numbers on a chart. Yeah, not numbers on a chart. Not like oh hey, this kid has all the measurables and traits. Yeah. I really like how he fits in the offense. We 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 will actually be able to have games to discuss. So um, that'll be good. Uh, you guys can follow Manser on Twitter at Manser Shaheen, uh, like Adam Shaheen, which is why he mentioned it earlier. He does great. Uh, film work for Birds Breakdowns, uh, The Lions Wire. Um, he's written for SB Nation. Uh, he's generally one of the smarter guys, smarter football writers, rising football writers you'll find. So he's well worth it. Uh, follow us on Twitter at WC Gridiron and follow me on Twitter at Robert Zaglinski. As always, everybody, stay classy. Thanks for having me. Hello. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. 
It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>